In Revelation 5, in this incredible scene where we see the Lamb as though slain, Jesus Christ, we see something else. We are introduced to a seven-sealed scroll. And the question that reverberates through the halls of heaven, if you will, is there anyone worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals? We're going to learn more about that scroll and the implications of the one who can break the seals today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's message, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, and podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's part three of Revelation 5, Worthy is the Lamb. Sometimes we look at the world, we look at what's going on, and we just want to cry. When we're discouraged, we need to see heaven again for what it says. Jesus has conquered. The banner of Judah was a lion, the king of the beasts, and Jesus Christ has conquered. And Shiloh, until Shiloh comes, probably means something like this, until the coming of the one to whom it belongs. From the kingly lineage of the tribe of Judah, it's Davidic, you can write down Revelation twenty-two sixteen, the lineage or offspring of David. The Bible says there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this, from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, what? Prince of Peace. And he will reign on David's throne, Luke 1.33, as the angel Gabriel tells Mary about her coming son. The Lord God will give him the throne of David. The rightful king has conquered. He's crowned with glory and honor. He tasted death for each one of us. And I saw, says John, verse 6, between the throne and the elders, with the four living creatures and the elders, a lamb. Wait a minute, John. I thought that you were just told about a lion. Wouldn't you expect that the Bible would say, and I turned and I saw a lion. (laughs) But he turned and looked and he saw a lamb. A lamb standing as if slain, and notice, yet alive, it's standing, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, just remember, I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. The Bible is giving us symbolic language to describe spiritual realities with human terms, and sometimes done in symbolism. And so the number seven comes up in this book over and over again, And here's what this means. Seven horns, mark it down. Horns in the Bible speak of power, authority, and even military might. Seven eyes speak of omniscience, all-seeing. Here it's represented the Holy Spirit a few times in this book. And it speaks of omniscience. Here are two of the omni-attributes of God I mentioned on Sunday, if you're with us, from Psalm 139. God is all-knowing, omniscient. And he is omnipotent or all what? Powerful. These two omni-attributes are attributed to who here? Jesus Christ, which means Jesus is God. See, when we say Jesus is God, we're not just 
pulling stuff out of the air, folks. Jesus has omni-attributes, all power, all knowledge. He is God. And you'll see some other things here in a second that will confirm that. But he is depicted as a lamb. Now, in chapter 1, he's depicted in the garb of a high priest. Just a few moments ago, he's depicted as a lion. And now he's depicted as a lamb. Why? Because in order to buy your redemption, he had to become the lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. Christ is our Passover lamb, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. He's a lamb, as it were, without spot or blemish, who purchased us, how? With his own blood. So the image is appropriate to what's going on in the book. And I think that's why John sees what he sees. He sees a lamb as if slain. We've asked some questions about when we get to heaven, how will we see Jesus? Will he be dressed in high priestly garb? Will he have the uh, kind of the notion of a lion, all power and authority, the king of the beasts? Will he be depicted in some way still as a lamb? Will he still have the scars? Is that what the Bible's talking about here? I don't think we should push this too far, but I think what we can say is this. He still had scars in his resurrection body. He invited Thomas, come and touch my hands, touch my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And so it would appear that in his resurrection body, he still bears the scars of the cross. But here he's depicted as a lamb as if slain, but yet he's standing. A lamb as if it had been killed, but he's standing. What does John see exactly? I don't know, and I don't want to push it too far. But he sees an image of a lamb that's been taken to the slaughter. He was like a sheep led to the slaughter, Isaiah 53, 7, yet he did not open up his mouth, right? He was silent as a sheep is silent before it shears. So Jesus was, and yet he's standing I'll just throw this out. Maybe the idea of the resurrection here. Even though he was killed, he stands. The word resurrection in Greek literally means to stand up. And so even though he was slain, he stands. He's conquered sin and death is the image I think that we can go with here. He's standing, ready to go to work for his people. He was standing at the right hand of God when Stephen was stoned and saw him in heaven. He... uh, He looks as if he's been slain, remembering what he did to pay our redemption. He is strong. The seven horns, seven always is a number of completion or perfection. Seven eyes, he sees everywhere. I'm not going to go there tonight, but write down Zechariah 3, 8 and 9. Zechariah 4, 10. You'll see seven eyes mentioned in these two texts that could have some relevance to this. Zechariah 3, 8 and 9. Speaking of... uh, Joshua, the high priest, in Zechariah 4.10, speaking of Zerubbabel, where it speaks of their eyes. These are the eyes of the Lord, which range to and fro throughout the earth, and the seven is there as well. And he came, this lamb, as, as if slain, verse 7. He came and he took it, that is the scroll, out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So the scroll has been kind of the centerpiece. The lamb, which, you know, you might ask the question, how did John miss him? You know, do, you, do we sometimes miss Jesus? You see this heavenly scene and you see the scroll, but sometimes we seem to overlook Jesus in our troubles and our, our difficulty. Sometimes we're just weeping too much to see him, right? And we gotta, we gotta be able to look and see him. And Jesus marches up to the Father. And, you know, if you're one of the ears, you're like, oh, 
who's worthy, right, to take this scroll? And he takes the scroll out of his right hand. And the father's good. Why? Because he's worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. And I've got to show you one more. Go to the book of Daniel. Oh, this is good. The book of Daniel. So the book of Daniel is like the Old Testament revelation, right? And when, we, when I threw out, what book do you want to study? Almost half of you said Daniel, and the other half said Revelation. And the Revelation folks won, but we will get to Daniel in a future study. But check this out. Now, I think this is a similar scene, maybe the same scene with a little less detail. Daniel 7, look at verse 13. I kept looking in the night vision, says Daniel, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. Daniel 7, 13. He came up to the ancient of days, picture the father, and was presented before him. And to him, notice, was given, what's your Bible say? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion. I see that three times in verse 14. Which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. This famous, back to Revelation 5, famous section, many of you have heard it before many times about the Son of Man from Daniel 7 may be depicting the same stuff as Revelation 5 with a little less detail, but dominion is being given to him. In other words, he is buying back, purchasing, completing the redemption of mankind. And so the significance of this moment is incredible. And it is going to cause heaven to break in to singing. How many of you enjoy singing? Enjoy worship? Tonight tonight's worship was beautiful. Awesome. I feel like I'm often taken up to the throne room of God. Terry, get ready if you would. Sometimes I'm uh, if you've ever been to a stadium crusade with a lot of Christians there and worship begins to go up Man, it's, it's a beautiful thing. This video is a two-minute video of pastors in the rotunda in the Capitol building singing the doxology. I just wanted you to hear it because it gives you a little bit of a taste, and it, it doesn't even compare to what's in the book. But Terry, would you, would you go ahead and play it? And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. They worship him right in front of God the Father. Is Jesus God? 
You've been listening to the Walk in Truth weekend program. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. They worship him right in front of God the Father. Is Jesus God? In Isaiah 42, 8, God said, I will not give my glory to another. Yet in Hebrews 1, the Father tells all the angels to worship Jesus. No one is supposed to be worshiped except God. An angel later in the book of Revelation says, don't bow down to me. I'm a fellow servant. Worship God. Jesus said to the devil, you shall worship the Lord your God alone and serve him. Right in front of the Father, Jesus Christ is worshiped by the angels and some of the most powerful angels ever created. Jesus ain't no angel. Jesus is God. Second person of the Holy Trinity. I know it's a bit mysterious and a little hard to wrap our puny brains around, but we're talking about God. Amen? We're talking about the one who spoke the universe into existence. And when he took the scroll, and everybody knows what this means, Man, look at what happens. These four cool creatures with eyes all around and wings and so forth. Man, they bow down. The 24 elders fall down before the Lamb. They worship Jesus right in front of the Father. And if the elders are angels, or we know the four living creatures are some sort of seraphim or cherubim, they have harps. And here, for all you musicians, is something potentially cool. Apparently, angels play guitar. Hmm? Now, you thought some guitar players were good. I'd like to hear an angel do a little bit of... (laughs) Anyway, that's just me. Each of them have a harp, by the way. The word harp is kathara in Greek. It denotes a 10-string instrument, something like a lyre, L-Y-R-E, or a harp, or a guitar. They have 
instruments in their hand, which means instruments apparently are going to be in heaven, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, music and incense and worship and angels falling down and before the lamb in front of the father. And David says, may my prayer be as incense. Let it be counted as incense before the Psalm 142, verse 2, the lifting of my, of my hands as the evening sacrifice. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, excuse me, Exodus, there's something called an altar of incense. It's right outside the Holy of Holies, right next to the Ark of the Covenant. It's supposed to be kept going, incense going up to God, and it's a picture of the prayers of the people of God. What prayers are going up before God? In one of the prayers that we all know well, Jesus taught us to pray in this fashion. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. For 2,000 years, the people of God have been praying for the kingdom of God to come. And in some sense, those prayers have been stored up in the halls of heaven, if you will, or right before the throne of God. It's been prayed for 2,000 years, and the prayers are coming up before God because the moment has come for the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our Christ. And so, the son taking the scroll out of the father's hand one writer says, is an act of indescribable sublimity or grandeur. That literally sets into motion the rest of the events of the book of Revelation. As a result of that action, false religion will be judged, wicked men will be slain, Antichrist will be destroyed, Satan will be vanquished, death will be defeated, the curse will be lifted, and the earth will be made new. Righteousness and justice will become a reality in the earth. The true heir will take back what is rightfully his and the usurper will be out. The seventh angel will sound, and loud voices arose in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Revelation eleven fifteen. And so they sang a new song, verse 9. And they said, Worthy art thou to take the book, this is the angels and the 24 elders, all that are there, to take the scroll and to break its seals, verse 9, for thou wast slain, none other than Jesus being addressed, and did purchase for God with thy blood men from how many? Every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Many psalms that I could give you, but just in rapid fire. Psalm 33, 4 says, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Psalm 40, verse 4 says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see, fear, and trust in the Lord. Psalm 96, verse 1 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 98, verse 1 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. Who is worthy? Jesus is worthy. And every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people, we'll see in Revelation 7, are before the throne, dressed in white. Palm branches are in their hand, and they are singing to our Lord. And thou, he says in verse 10, they say, thou has made them as they worship the, the lamb with musical instruments and song and praise. Thou has made them, or us, New King, New King James, to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. We are going to experience a millennial reign of Christ, more of that in chapter 20. And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was myriads of myriads. The word a myriad in Greek can either mean 10,000 or 
ten thousands of ten thousands here because it's myriads of myriads. It's an innumerable number. How many angels are there? More than we could count. And there's, on top of that, thousands of thousands. It's an innumerable number. Many angels around the throne. The living creatures, uncountable. And they all said with a loud voice. Now, heaven apparently can get loud. (laughs) Huh? It's all right. I know we like our reflective songs and we like that. But it's okay to praise the Lord with some loud shouts. We do it at the Dodger game. We should be able to do it to our God. Heaven's going to get loud, at least at times. Hopefully it'll quiet down at other times, because as I get older, I say, turn that down. Can I get a witness? Anyway. But I'll have new ears in heaven, so it won't even matter. Saying with a loud voice, worthy, here's what they say. Worthy is the lamb, this is our title, that was slain to receive seven things. Seven is significant in Revelation. Power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Do not fear, brothers and sisters. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen? There's a ton of angels, and they, there needs to be a ton because some of you need multiple caravans of them just to keep an eye on you. But anyway, verse 13, And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth, on the earth, and under the earth, and on the sea, and all things in them, I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, God the Father, God the Son, being worshipped together because they are one, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The choir began in Uh, Verse 8, with 28 voices, the four living creatures, the 24 elders, but quickly it grows to a choir of uncountable numbers. I'd like you to turn to Psalm 150. I'm going to ask Shane to come up. He's going to end us in some worship, which is very appropriate. Psalm 150. I was reading Henry Morris. He said, there's considerable evidence that Psalms 146 through 150 refer to this scene in our Bibles. I'll let you study that out. But I'm just going to take you to the very last psalm in the Psalter, which is just another way of saying the book of Psalms is called the Psalter. Psalm 150, the final psalm. Let's read it together. And if you are physically able, would you stand to your feet right now with your Bible or your device in your hand? And I'm reading from the New American Standard. If you want to read with me, feel free. Here's what it says. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals, all the drummers said. Amen. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath. Ready? Praise the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen and Amen. Hey, recently our worship director, who happens to be my son, said, Hey, if you're here, you're alive, then you qualify because you have breath in your lungs. And the Bible says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. He is worthy. Well, chapter 5 of the book of Revelation proved how worthy the Lamb is, right? Well, it's right. 
because the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, took away our sin, purchased us at the cross and through the resurrection. He is worthy of our praise because he bought us out of the slave market of sin, bought us out of darkness into light from the power of Satan to the kingdom of God. We belong to him because of what he did for us. He's worthy of our praise. And because we celebrate our salvation in Jesus Christ, we give him the honor that's due to his name. We celebrate his love, his goodness, his honor. And if you don't know him yet, I would encourage you to make today the day that you say, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God, and be my King. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance, and I want to wish you a very happy Independence Day on this great day for our country, the United States of America. And you know, freedom is something that isn't free. It actually comes with a price. There are people who died on the battlefield to secure our freedom. We have people who are today enlisted and deployed to protect our freedom. And we need to be praying for those who are in authority over us, praying for wisdom in a world that at times looks very shaky and unpredictable. Let's pray that God's will be done in our country as we celebrate the great freedoms that we've enjoyed in America. Let's make sure that we don't take that for granted. Pray for this great country, pray for our leaders, and pray for revival. Now come back tomorrow because we're going to learn about the seven seals in the book of Revelation, the famous seven seals. In fact, actually six of them are listed in Revelation 6, and they're incredible, and they're exciting, and they're sobering as well. We're going to learn more in Revelation 6 when you come back next time on Walk in Truth. Have a great 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to you and your family. God bless you. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Remember, to learn more about Pastor Michael, the online store, podcast, or to donate, visit walkintruth.com. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.